Well, good morning to you all. Wanting to um, look at First Peter chapter three, chapter one, verse uh, three, and then verse twenty-three to twenty-five. Today, we're wanting to have a look at um, a very, very foundational question, and the question is: Is are you really a Christian? Jesus warned that um, on the last day, many, when they come to face judgment, would be surprised to learn that they thought that they were, uh, they were Christians, they thought that they were safe and that they would find that they weren't ever actually truly saved. Um, and it's a horrible thought. It's one that um, bothers me all the time, that there would be people in our church maybe even you, who have um, misunderstood the message of the gospel. And um, it's important not only that we would make sure that we are truly saved, but that we would know how to communicate the gospel to others. And not only that, that we would understand the message of the gospel ourselves. And so we want to have a look at that. It's... Um, we're going to read the first couple of few verses and then go over um, and just follow this theme of, of, of the new birth or being born again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, which is uh, northern uh, Turkey who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, and I've got these words in bold there, in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living, living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If a particularly the words we want to have a look at this morning. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And over to verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field, and the grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So I want to ask us the question, are you a Christian? Are you truly a Christian? And my hope that if your answer to that as we look through it is to say no, that you would actually become a Christian today. But if you are a Christian, you would be able to be full, more fully informed as to your faith, of the grace that you have received, and that your joy would be increased and your confidence in the wonderful salvation would be made firmer. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your spirit would come. Open our eyes that we would see. 
Lord, it's easy for us to go drifting through life and to miss the important things. We pray, Lord, that we would know that we have new life in Jesus, if that's true. And Lord, if we haven't, that we would receive it. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. In this um, letter, which we called First Peter, Peter's writing to Christians, to churches in um, northern Turkey, and he says that the reason he's writing is... Um, to encourage you and he's writing encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God to stand fast in it. So the reason Peter's writing this letter, he's wanting Christians to really understand what is the message of Christians. What is the true faith? What is the true message of God's kindness and goodness or his grace? And um, he starts in this passage with the beginning. How does a person become a Christian? What is the starting point? How does a person go from not being a Christian to being a Christian? And he says that the way this happens is something which he calls a new birth. Now, um, it's easy and throughout history there's been millions of people who have identified as Christians. But what Peter says here in this passage is, is that to identify as a Christian you must be born again. Now it's a very strange fact that here in, in, this, in, in the world you often hear people say, oh, are you a born-again Christian? As if there was another type of Christian. As if there were Christians who were born again and Christians who aren't born again. I um, was uh, uh, asked by a cousin of mine many years ago to um, if she could come and learn about Christianity from me and um, so I said I'll come along and do the Alpha course and um, I did that and during it as as I explained to her what a Christian was it suddenly started to dawn on her that maybe her family wasn't Christians, I didn't raise the topic and so she asked me, she said um, is, um, is my dad a Christian? I said, well, I don't know whether he's a Christian or not. I don't know. The important thing is, um, are you a Christian? Um, but she decided just simply upon that basis that she was not going to, um, going to learn anymore because she, the thought that I would even question her dad salvation now the the strange thing happened um and it wasn't very long ago i went to his funeral in his funeral absolutely not one mention of god in the whole thing not one mention and clearly from the whole thing it was an evident that um that her dad was was basically a, a complete unbeliever and I remember I saw oh, at the funeral, I, saw, I caught her eye. 
and she, she was going to come up and speak. I wonder what she was going to say because it was very, very evident as I was standing near a pastor and here we'd had a totally heathen, pagan celebration of his life. Now, it is amazing that a person can be confused and want to identify as a Christian and yet not be one. Now, um, I want to mention three things which are essential for us in this whole concept of whether we are truly a Christian or whether we have been born again. Now, the first thing is this, is in order to be a Christian, you must have at some time come to realise that you need a new life. But the life that you have, the one that you are living, is not an eternal life. It is one which has tremendous problems. Something um, did recently was put, a, put together a... Um, a jigsaw of the Titanic. Um, it was a picture from the Titanic. It was a murder mystery thing, and I wasn't able to figure out the murder mystery, I don't think. But you're supposed to have put the jigsaw together and solve the problem. But it did get my mind thinking about the people on the Titanic. Could you imagine being on that great ship, which was the greatest ship of the day, pronounced unsinkable and then having suddenly to learn that that ship was sinking and you had to leave this great splendid ship and hop out into the middle of the ocean on this tiny little lifeboat now Obviously, quite a lot of people didn't have the, even have the chance to hop on a lifeboat. But people had to, to exit the Titanic to hop on a little boat. Now, the point is, is in order to be saved, they had to realise first and foremost that the ship that they were on was doomed. And that is the essential part. Um, in fact, it's the hardest part of the gospel. The hardest part of being a Christian is to take full notice that the life we are now living is not adequate. And there's four areas I just want to mention briefly to us. We need to realise that this life is devoid of ultimate meaning as we are presently living it, as we are born and living. We live a life separated from God and as, separate, as a life separated from God, our, devo- our life is devoid of ultimate meaning. Now, the greatest, wisest person who ever lived was said, according to the scriptures, to be Solomon. And... Um, He wrote these words, I, the teacher, was king of Israel and Jerusalem. I devoted myself to to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. And under heaven is his code for life without God, the way we live out life normally, separated from God. He said, by all that is done under heaven, what a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless a chasing after wind. So what is what 
um, Solomon looks at it and says, well, the first thing as I'm thinking about life is, hey, when you, when you take God out of a picture and the life which we are presently living, that every one of us is living, a life um, focused on, our, on ourselves, that life ultimately ends without meaning. What's the documentary just um, a couple of days ago about these Indian, um, that's uh, American Indian, um, in the, I think in Mexico, um, Mexicans, uh, they built what they said was the largest pyramid on earth. Uh, but the place is a wreck. You can't hardly see it. It's all sort of underground. It's overgrown. Um, and what's the point? Is The point is, is this whole not just an individual life, but the whole civilization had invested huge time. When they were building that thing, they probably thought they were building something, something that would last. And here it was just to ruin. And that's what our life is like. We build stuff, we work, we do all of these things. But in the end, separated from God, it comes to nothing. Now, the... Um, the second thing about this life we're living is, is it is by nature defiled. It is corrupt. There is a, a, a wrecked nature. It's when you take something good yeah, and then you mix it with, with, with rottenness, suddenly it becomes no good. And every human life is like that. It's not that we are totally um, devoid of any goodness. It's just that we are defiled. And we are unholy. We are sinners. So um, in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 6, Isaiah writes this, all of us, remember he's writing as an Israelite, which is the best nation in the world, all of us, have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. So what, what he's saying here is even the best of us is like filthy rags. Even our righteous acts, when you actually truly compare that with God's standards, are like Filthy rags. Now, the the actual picture here is quite um, quite perverse, really. It's uh, the word "filthy rags" is menstrual rags. That's what it is. In the in the old days, before we had modern sanitary products, um, women would use uh, for their monthly periods all of the the worn out, horrible rags, which were no longer good for anything else. They'd wash them and use them. And, he's, and Isaiah says, our righteous acts, even our best acts, when you compare them with God's standards, are like filthy rags. Uh, the third thing is we need to realise that our life is doomed to death. When I was a... A young boy, I used to often get night terrors and it took me a while to figure out what was happening. I would always get these night terrors when I had a really good day. Not when I'd seen, um, not when I'd seen uh, um, horrible things, 
But when I'd had a really good day and I'd lay in my bed tired, I'd get this sudden thought, this shall all end. Death is where it's going. This is all going to go. And that's what the scripture says, for all men are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower falls. This life which we live in, this physical life we live in, is doomed to the grave. It shall end. Now we have an amazing way in our society to cover it up. We want, we want to put death as far away as possible so all we can see is the partying. But... Uh, and that's why in Western nations, people aren't jumping on board for salvation because life seems pretty good. And people who go through suffering and they're facing death all the time, they're the ones who says, I've got to find another life. I can't, this boat I'm, I'm on is sinking and I've got to find some other life. And the final thing, is about this life we live in is is that um, our uh, death is is actually not the end in hebrews paul writes man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment in other words scripture says not only do we have these other problems of the meaningless of life separated from god not our defilement from sin, the fact that our physical life is coming to an end, but that after this life, we shall face judgment. Every thought, every deed, every motive will be exposed to the, um, to the scrutiny of God. So, um, there the, it's the first point that Peter makes about when he when he was talks about being born again he makes the point this life which we pre, which we had is a life which is doomed defiled devoid of meaning and destined for judgment this life is one which we realized was not adequate and we needed to find another life we needed to find what he calls a living hope. So the second point is, um, Peter says, is that new life is now possible. Now, this life was, was predicted in, in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 25, it says, on this mountain, which is Mount Zion or Jerusalem, where the Temple Mount was, where Jesus was, was live, lived and where he was crucified, and when he rose from the dead, he said, on this mountain, he will destroy, that's God will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth, the Lord has spoken. So scripture in the Old Testament promised that God was going to solve the problem of our defiled, doomed, um, meaningless life. That he was going to bring a new life, a life which, which transcended death. And scripture in the New Testament tells us that it is in Jesus that God has provided an alternative life.
for us. Like a lifeboat, something where we hop off of the life we have and we hop onto this new life. And um, in Second Timothy verses, chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, and, um, Paul writes, he says, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Now, it's God's plan was to provide that even before he made the world. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So what Paul is saying here is is that um, yes we understand or we should understand the problems of the life which we are born into but now God has according to his promise he has brought to light the possibility the personal possibility for you of an eternal life a life where you receive grace where you receive mercy where you receive unmerited um Forgiveness and an unending life. That is now made possible in the person of Jesus and it is made possible for you. Really love the words of um, the Apostle John. This is a, a letter he wrote. He says, he starts with this. He says, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was in with the Father and has appeared to us. What's John saying? He said, we saw Jesus. We saw how he was different from all men he had life he was he had this eternal life and we saw how um even after he was crucified on the cross he rose again and we touched him we saw him we smelt him we hugged him we ate with him that's what he's saying we we put our hands on the on his wounds we we put we touched the wounds on his side we looked at his feet and we fell down and worshiped him we have seen it and we are telling you about it with Jesus is opened up from God to you the possibility of eternal life and that life as John goes is in his son it's in him and he is available to you will you take it now final thing on this second point is is that um, the what the scriptures say is is that this eternal life is made possible by a simple, very simple thing. The proclamation of the message about Jesus. As Peter writes in this passage, he says, For you were born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. This is the word that was preached to you now the picture here is is that our first life we were conceived by a seed which came from our father and was impregnated into our mother he says but now there's this new seed a seed which is for a life which is eternal and that comes um it's a it's a message 
It's a message which comes into your dead heart, your, your doomed heart. It comes into you and that seed, if it's received, is able to blossom in a life which goes on and on for eternity. And so it's an imperishable seed because it's a seed of the word of God. It's a message which becomes to the heart that receives it eternal life. Now, the um, final point is, is that um, when we truly have faith in Jesus, it causes us in an amazing way to be born again. It brings about a new birth or a new even conception or begetting, okay? And so um, what happens is true faith has a double aspect. It has a loss in confidence of the life you have. You can't trust in Jesus while you're trusting in other things. You can't. If you think you're okay, it'll all turn all right out. It'll all turn, turn out okay in the end. If you think your righteousness is good enough, if you think that bag of bones which you're living in is going to make it through somehow, then you will continue to hang on to that. But when you lose confidence in the life which you were born with, when you lose confidence in your righteousness, when you lose confidence in the fact that this, your life will just go, go on forever and it'll all turn out, then you are ready to then go and put your confidence in Jesus. And when you do that, as soon as you do that, what happens? Something amazing changes. The seed which was sown of this message about Jesus suddenly breaks out and you receive his spirit and a new life begins. And that is called the new birth. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Now, for many, this can, this can happen when they're very young. Sometimes it's like, I, I, I don't remember when I was born, but I know when I was born. June the 18th, 1957. This week I celebrated my 64th birthday. I'm thinking, how is someone so young and beautiful as me so old? <laughs> <sighs> Well, I don't think that at all. I'm thinking, my goodness, this life is going quick. It's going down to Gurga. But then I remember, I said, well, praise God. On February the 3rd, 1978, I received a new life. Now, some people don't know their birthday of their body and they don't know their new birth. But... Uh, if they have been born again, they will know that they have faith in Jesus. It's in him that they have their confidence and they have a spirit which bears witness with their spirit that they are a child of God. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life, that's that one I've talked about, You'll lose it. You won't save it. You want to, oh yeah, my righteousness, I'm a pretty good person. You'll find out someday you're not. 
And he wants to save your life, you lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel's sake will save it. In other words, when you transfer your life, your confidence to Jesus, you will gain from that point on a life which is eternal. What you invest in Jesus is eternal and it will never die. And as Paul wrote, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead. In other words, your body is still going to die. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. God's, God forgives you. He cleans you. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. A lot in that passage. But the point is, is that when a person calls on the name of Jesus and makes him their saviour and Lord, he starts a new life and his spirit comes. And that spirit makes you a child of God. A Christian is a child of God. He, Paul writes just a couple of words later. He says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, which means Daddy, Father. Now, some of you, and some people can't remember this because they, they were part of, maybe responded very early. But the new birth, even if we can't remember when it happened because we were so young, um, is essential. Now, I'd like to um, finish with a prayer. Um, if you're not sure that you're a Christian, um, a sincere prayer. This prayer is not magic. It only comes if you sincerely believe it. But this is the sort of prayer that you need to pray. And if you've prayed this sort of prayer and now you're living this prayer out, then you have been born again. But if this prayer is nothing what you experience, you're still confident in your old life, then you're not a Christian and you need to say, well, will I become one? So we'll all stand understand and um, we want to pray this prayer as a refreshment I prayed a prayer very similar to this when on June on February 3rd 1978 and I'd like to pray it again just to remind myself maybe for some of you today this may be actually the first time you've prayed if it is I'd invite you to come up afterwards and say well Russell I really prayed that prayer for the first time and we can um pray with you and encourage you so if you'd like to do that after that please come forward and just come to the front we'd love to have a chat with you so let's all pray this together dear God I know that I'm a sinner I want to turn from my sins and I ask you to forgive me I believe that Jesus Christ is your son I believe he died for my sins and that you raised him to life I want him to come into my heart and to take control and be the ruler of my life. I want to trust Jesus as my saviour and to follow him as my Lord from today onward. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, I trust that if you are a Christian, that maybe I've helped you to understand what God did for you better. I trust that if you weren't a Christian when you came in today, but you had deceived yourself possibly, or maybe you knew you weren't a Christian and you needed to respond, I pray that you did that. And if you did, would you please come and see me at the front? It would be lovely to chat with you further. God bless you all. May you go in peace.